This is the Future Forward Argos podcast, where we're exploring tomorrow, today, on the radio. Catch us live Wednesdays at 6 p.m. on Student Argos Radio. Good evening, listeners. I'm your co-host, Lisa Urebauer. And I am your co-host, Laura Galante. Welcome to Future Forward Aarhus, where you explore the future with us. In our last episode, we were digging into the future of fashion. Today, we are going to take a closer look at the future of urban spaces, the population shift from rural to urban areas. While rates vary from continent to continent, the cost is pretty much the same across the globe. The belief that life is better in the cities. Economic opportunities, modern amenities, better education and workplaces in the service industry among other things. The result of the increasing population is the competition for resources, like space. In today's episode, we are going to hear about three places that give us a glimpse of the future of urban spaces. The first space we're going to explore with you tonight is the Greenshare Community Garden. Lisa has taken a walk through this area and talked to organizer Lila Trapp. Let's hear about it. More than half of the global population already lives in urban areas. By 2050, two-thirds of the world's people are expected to live in cities. One of the impacts is the degradation of urban green spaces. Yet, these recreational areas are vital, not only for the environment, but for citizens as well. They facilitate physical activity and positive mental health. In 2015, one of these recreational areas has opened just north of the University Park, the Greenshare Community Garden. I have spoken to participant and board member Leela Trapp about it. The Greenshare Community Garden is conveniently located behind the student house. The planted patch of grass was turned into a community garden two seasons ago. 40 plots in total, each four square meter big. There's a common squash bed and members have built a greenhouse tunnel together. Cherry trees spend shade during the summer and one gardener makes honey from the beehives he put in the garden. Greenshare has also gotten its support from the city as Leela Trapp explains. When we started the garden two seasons ago, the um, city or the municipality was involved in getting it set up and there's a, a program called Eat Ohus and what they're all about is planting edible plants all over wherever they can find a spot. And so we were lucky enough to get several berry beds around the perimeter of our garden. So we can see here hawthorn and black currant and gooseberries and the idea with these with this bed also because it's on the perimeter is that anybody walking by is welcome to take berries which is at the same time one of the biggest challenges the garden is facing one of one of the issues that we are dealing with is um, how to deal with passers passerbys and whereas we're very happy to share the share the berries that's the whole idea with it um, several of our gardeners have also, against their own will, shared some of their lettuce and tomatoes. The initiative for the Greenshare Community Garden stems from the idea to connect people through working on a common project. But the organizers have come to realize that the initial idea is not what participants seek in gardening. Whereas uh, the original idea was this working together allows us to get to know each other, work together and so forth, we're finding that a need that needs fulfilling is instead a quiet space to go alone. There is not all that much motivation to have social events. We can see that people sort of just come when they want to and 
have their own quiet time. Urbanization brings along challenges, increasing population density, alienation from nature and food production and decreasing biodiversity, just to name a few. Community gardening is meeting those challenges with social benefits, not only for its members. Speaking personally, I've always been a gardener uh, until I moved into an apartment where there was no yard. For me, a benefit is being able to get out and garden despite not having my own spot. Um, but it's also been a chance to meet others. And I really have enjoyed being able to share my efforts of gardening. So I grow flowers and I just really enjoy that it's not just me uh, who's enjoying them. A lot of our members are learning how to garden for the first time and we try to give advice when we can. But there's also, you know, some of the members, they're friends, so they have a, a, an activity to do with their friend. Some are families, so something that you do together with your husband or wife or child. Um, so there's all kinds of different different benefits that people get out of this. The neighbors, when they pass by, they often remark about how nice it is that that green area is sort of flourishing and a positive and a pretty place to look at now. Aarhus itself is in the midst of increasing urban development. City Council has decided that over the next 15 years, the city must grow by 50,000 inhabitants, plus 30,000 jobs and study places a threat to urban green spaces, which is a shame for Lila Trap. There are areas where, the, where we have really intense building and not a lot of green space. And I think that's a real shame. And so again, I hope that maybe that experience will remind people that just a little bit of green can make a huge difference. Uh, and definitely, you know, something that should be there. So, there was one case of urban spaces going green. Make sure to check out our Facebook page to get an impression of the Green Chair Community Garden, facebook.com slash futureforwardorhus. So, Laura, are you a gardener? <laughs> to be honest, Lisa, my thumb isn't very green. Um, but I did try to grow basil plants multiple times, and <laughs> the longest they've been alive was about two months, uh, my record. So, But I do appreciate these kinds of initiatives growing around the city. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, this is... A pretty, pretty interesting initiative. And how about yourself? Actually, up until now, I haven't tried myself as a gardener, but I love how my mom is taking care of our backyard. It's a real oasis. That's some pretty good inspiration. The next story we are going to talk about started in 2012. The idea is based on having temporary buildings that can be stored anywhere. Maybe when you have visited the harbor or if you have done some sightseeing near the port, you have seen a building similar to an igloo or a shell. This site is called Dome of Visions and it has been built four different times across Scandinavian cities in the last years. The first place was Copenhagen back in 2013 and since 2016 we have it here in Aarhus. In the following feature our colleague Rocío Valarabano explores why this iconic building is an example of development of urban spaces. It's a windy and cloudy morning in the city of Aarhus. The breeze from the bay arrives to my face. At my left, a ferry departs to another city of Denmark, and behind, future buildings are constructed. In front of me, it stands a transparent semicircle that looks like a shell. Its name is Dome of Visions. 
Sitting inside is Sylvia Marie, curator of this iconic building located in Aarhus Ug, the port and newest area of the city. As we talk, she describes what is the place about. Dome of Visions is one big experiment, you could say. It's an experiment in how to build more sustainable, and also it's an experiment in sustainability in a broader sense than just building with sustainable materials. This place is an example of how future rent spaces can be designed. The dome was built by the NCC Construction Company in collaboration with the Dome of Visions project and Aarhus Municipality. This area where the dome is placed at Pier 2, like before the dome was here, was just a, a bare space. They placed the dome here because they wanted to like, focus on this particular area of the harbor because it is like under development and the dome is something that you can use for inspiration regarding what's going to be here when the dome is is not here anymore. This means that Dome of Visions is a temporary building, a space that could be moved around and settled on places where the city is under development. It makes it easier to like experiment with things and do like you know think uh, out of the box so to speak because you don't have to like consider all these different rules and regulations that are present if you want to build something more permanent. The idea of being a sustainable space is supported by the characteristics of the materials the dome was built, for example its wooden structure. It's a structure called a geodistic structure, uh, which means that it's built uh, of triangles that are connected uh, and then it forms this uh, half circle structure. Also we use polycarbonate, not glass, in the outer shell of the dome because that is also more sustainable when you want to reuse it because it can be melted with this, uh, and, and be the same quality as it was before. The dome is also a smart house. It includes devices that monitor both CO2 levels and the weather inside to create a better environment. We experiment with having these, like the inner house of the dome, which can be heated, and then the outer circle, which is more like the, the houses you used to have in Denmark in, in old times, where there were no heat. They had like, they isolated parts of the house and then other parts were used like because it was cold and then you just adapt it and you used it for different purposes, placing your food or like just doing other things that didn't require uh, the heat. That's also a, a main point of the structure, you could say. As I walk through, it is possible to find a living room, a cafe or bar, and a second floor with cozy sofas to sit and hang out. The distribution of the spaces is related to the second objective of Dome of Visions being a place of cultural sustainability. We have these three like curatorial principles that we want people to consider when they make an event and we want them to like consider sustainability, consider city development and consider senselessness when they create an event. City development isn't just about how we can make buildings, it's also how can we make and sustain a cultural life for the citizens, how can we make it fun to, to live in the city and what do the people want to spend their free time on. The events that take place at Dome of Visions include conferences, talks, concerts or activities for children. 
the dome as a building is not just a shell with no content. It's a place that inspires people to, to look at the city in a different way, you could say. So while in the morning you can just relax by participating in a meditation activity, the dome transforms itself as a concert hall during night. Take a drink, sit down, listen, enjoy the space, its architecture, and of course, the music. We still have some questions we want to explore about Dome of Visions here with us. Is Rocio our colleague? Stockholm was the first place the dome was built, but was it somewhere in Denmark before Aarhus? Well, uh, hello, Laura. Hello, Lisa. And yes, uh, after being in Copenhagen, actually Dome of Visions went, uh, came here in Aarhus in 2013. And then it was built in two cities of Sweden, Stockholm and Bisbee. So it's a place that is, has been around Scandinavia for a lot of time. Okay. Uh, the piece says that if the dome is a temporary building, then it will move somewhere else. Yeah, that's the main purpose, but future plans for the dome are adding a new space or modifying the upper level to have a terrace and maybe in the future where you can have a different view from the city, just uh, standing up at the harbor, so it would be nice. Okay, so what about the area that surrounds the dome? Well, if you visit the harbor, uh, that is Pier 2 in this case, a place where it's located, you can see that all the surroundings are well that the dome is between two big squares like uh, the place for navy tests so people from the movisions are also working with some garden unions to create a green space there so you if you arrive there you can see that they're really working on have more uh, green places to visit in the city all right that's very interesting thanks very much rocio So, we've heard a lot about glass domes in the middle of construction sites and gardens that spring up out of nowhere. But what about the availability of urban spaces for those creative entrepreneurs who have a vision but not all the resources? Gokbenen is exactly the type of space that suits these creative minds. It's an area near Aarhus' center that looks like it's been made jointly by many different people from a space that could have remained unoccupied in the midst of the city. You see a trailer here, a reused freight crate over there, and other such buildings made of recycled materials. There is no particular common style or order binding these buildings together, but it is this organic whole that gives the place a quaint charm. Around it, the only concrete buildings that emerge are painted with colorful graffiti. In the midst of this area sits Institute for X, a startup that originated in 2009, which turned into a cluster of cultural projects and enterprises focused on giving the space that young entrepreneurs need to jumpstart their initiative. I went to the organization to talk with CEO and co-founder Mats Peters and his colleague Jonas Larsen to gain a bit more insight on this organization. It's a platform for people's projects. So it's an institution who tries to catch the young and wild and also make space for other people than the young and wild. The mission is to translate big city culture to small city and make space for creative cultural startups. So how does Matt's description fit with the concept of urban spaces? Well, 
Yunus adds that the definition of an urban space is very relative depending on what an individual makes of it. In this particular case, an urban space is a platform that individuals can use to tailor their initiatives and benefit off each other's resources. That's also why we call Institute for Exits to underline that the X is for the uh, the team of entrepreneurs or the project makers or whatever to go in and, and, and test and do whatever they like. But the idea of, of being together in an urban space or under the Institute of Institute for X is to benefit of each other's energies, materials, to cut down costs of producing things and to, to have a, a doing network uh, instead of having um, a sharing network. I mean, it's, it's about doing and realizing uh, one's projects. Institute for X holds about 90 projects and 35 businesses and works very closely with the municipality of Aarhus to further improve this city as a whole. Mats tells me that Institute for X began as a result of inspiration taken from a variety of projects observed while traveling to Copenhagen and Berlin. And so the aim was to pull that kind of fast-paced city culture to Jutland, a smaller area, less dense than cities like Berlin and Copenhagen, but with the potential to reuse or find new locations for cultural project startups. But finding this space is not always easy. We're doing a book right now, which is called X2. The whole book is about how do we make physical space for more people at X. In that there's uh, like the empty factory, because uh, a lot of startups and entrepreneurs, of, especially from the cultural creative side of entrepreneurship, they for some reason like empty factories. Um, and in the whole of Europe, we are running out of empty factories close to the bigger cities. If there's no empty factories, all factories have been gentrified, they have all been rebuilt into houses, and there's no empty factories for creative entrepreneurs, then we like to introduce the empty factory. And a lot of these spaces that we looked at back in the days, they all started in some kind of empty stuff. And if there's no empty stuff, then how do we recreate the holes in the city where there's no holes? Sure enough, X started in an empty factory where it currently is. At the time, there was unlimited empty space to launch this initiative. Now that the aim is to find more space for cultural startups, another problem that X faces besides the identification of these holes in the city is their temporality. Soon, a bulldozer day will arrive and 60% uh, of X is going to be bulldozed by uh, the architectural school uh, the municipality, the government, and the money. So when that happens, we have to make up a new plan, and that's where the book comes in, X2, which is the plan to make more X. The uncertainty that comes with the time frame these temporarily empty spaces in the city hold makes it difficult to predict how long a startup can stay in a particular location. Most of the time, these spaces are borrowed from the municipality, not necessarily making the entrepreneurs owners of a particular location. This is why another aim of X is not only to locate these spaces, but to find a way to make them more long-term and to give more time to the entrepreneurs to grow their project. X is not the only organization trying to make this happen. There are in fact other places around Aarhus that strive to build on this community culture and to allow entrepreneurs to benefit off each other's resources in a network around the city. There's, a diff there's lots of different places and that's a really good thing and a very important thing. If you were to make a startup, you would need a certain type of environment that's good for you 
and then it's really nice to have different places to choose from. So you have culture workspace at the Aarhusø, the slaughterhouse at uh, the Harbour South, you have a startup project or two in Gelrup. So there's different types of places where you can plug in depending on who you are. And then these places, they kind of know each other, so they are also, hey, maybe you shouldn't be here, but try to call this guy, because it seems like you really would fit in there. So, on one side, one has temporary space to create a startup, but on the other, there already are different communal networks developing around Aarhus to ensure that there is always a place to turn to for one's initiative. If you want to know more about Institute for X, check out instituteforx.dk. Okay, so that was the last space we explored tonight. And uh, yeah, Lisa, if you had a space yourself in the city of Aarhus, what startup would you want to create? I could think of a creative hub for freelance journalists, where people can share skills, resources and ideas, like a co-working space that also offers the possibility to learn something new or find colleagues. I mean, what do you think? I could see some of our Mundus classmates working there with us. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. It's a good idea. I would join you in that. Before we end tonight's show, we will listen to the confessions about what our experts would like to learn and why. We always ask them this question because the idea is that the future is all about learning something new. Even those who are experts in what's next still have to learn new things every once in a while. Today, Celia Marie, curator of Dome of Visions, shared with us that her interest is related with her professional career. Let's listen. I would like to learn more about myself as a working person. I just finished uh, my studies, so right now I'm, I'm working in Dome of Visions. It's really nice to work here, and uh, what I would like to learn more about is like what spikes my creativity, how can my working life in the future be shaped. I guess I can learn about it by like experimenting with different stuff and not just uh, like settle for the safe choices but you know still take chances even though it, it's a bit risky and I might fail it doesn't matter because you learn from that so learning about how I would like to to work in the future and what I would like to work with and finally Mads and Jonas want to learn how to cultivate the network of entrepreneurial spaces from a distance it would be nice how to, how to curate and facilitate when you are not physically able to see each other all the time when people are further away like how do you remote facilitate uh, people's projects that would be nice I really like to learn that I'd like to learn to navigate the municipal mega system like how do you code or uncode the municipal mega system to make these things happen because they are not uh, market oriented and it's easy if you just have the money, then you just buy a new piece of land and make more university. But if you're a cultural entrepreneur, then you don't have that kind of money. You can't just buy a old hospital. Uh, but you can be able to see the holes in the city where there's these potential zones. And I would like to unlock all these potential zones for projects. So, we have reached the end of our second episode on the future of urban spaces. Today's show was co-hosted by me, Lisa Orebauer, and me, Laura Galante. Our feedback editor for today was Chiu Chen. Our music editor is Laura Galante. Social media editor is yours truly. Our jingle was mixed by Xiao Liang with music by Simon Matthewson. Be sure to give us a like on Facebook. 
facebook.com slash futureforwardarhus. We'll talk again in the future. This is the Future Forward Aarhus podcast, where we're exploring tomorrow, today, on the radio. Catch us live Wednesdays at 6 p.m. on Student Aarhus Radio. Radio.